Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 132 of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Land. And I am Kayla Moria. And we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. Kayla, I love that you're wearing both rainbow straps. Uh, suspenders? Yes. Or and overall suspenders? I was going to yeah. call it suspenders, and I knew that wasn't right. Yep. But like the straps on our overalls are rainbow. You have a rainbow on your leg. And you have rainbow glasses. That's awesome. Look I at am. You. I am all covered in rainbows. Oh, that is the just, way to be. Oh, look, just heckin' gay. Oh, nice. I like those. I'm wearing rainbow earrings. So, I also kind of have rainbows on my shorts. So, oh my gosh, it's just a rainbow kind of day. You know what? When I had rainbow hair, and people would comment on my hair, I my response was always, you know, sometimes you just have to be your own rainbow because people are terrible. And my response to that is to just dress in rainbow colors. <laughs> because sometimes you just got to be your own goddamn rainbow. You just got to be your own rainbow. Today, our mission for all of our listeners is to just, you know. Be your own rainbow. Just take a minute. And when something's getting you down, just be your own rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. It'll make you happy. Exactly. Um, I actually have decided. So I, I rainbow-fied my ellipsis logo. And... I just ordered stickers of the Rainbow Ellipsis logo. Nice. I think that, you know, I did it for June. I think it's just going to be how it is now because I love rainbows. You know what I was thinking you should do? What? You should have a October logo. Okay. Where it's just a pumpkin, but it's just three dots carved inside of a pumpkin. That is super cute, actually. I love that. Will you remind me of that in October? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um. Speaking of ellipsis, just going to use this opportunity. I know we have a lot of local listeners. Yes, yes. Uh, this Saturday, August 12th, I will be hosting my sixth annual fundraiser for LifeHouse. I realized yesterday that I never mentioned it, that it was coming up. Oh, yeah. Think. Um, anyway, so I every year for my birthday, I host a fundraiser to raise money for menstrual products for unhoused youth. Yep. And uh, there's a variety of ways to donate. The The easiest and best way is that if you're in the United States or you're, I guess, Cara, because she's a coming down, uh, that, that's, <laughs> that will be a later discussion. But um, if you're in the U.S. and you would like to participate, I have a bunch of donations from local businesses. Some of them are gift cards, which I guess wouldn't really work if you're not from here. Uh, but others are just products. I can always mail them out. But if you make a donation, you automatically get entered in for a raffle to win said products. And Minnesotans love a raffle. Oh, God, we love a raffle. We even do meat raffles, which is not my jam as a vegetarian. But but they're a lot of fun. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I have over $300 worth of products for this raffle. So if you feel ever so inclined to buy some raffle tickets, you can do so Based upon what you can find in the event page, I posted it on our Facebook. Yep. Um, and if you're in town, you should come over to Ben Paddle from 5 to 8 to experience the beautiful music of Jen West and Jerry Small. Lovely. Gorgeous. Mm, gorgeous. Gorgeous. Kayla, how are you? Did I just completely skip over the how are you part? Yes, you did. I just am like, I got stuff to say. I got stuff to say and I don't want to forget it. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Kayla, how are you? I am just dandy. Uh, I uh, 
very, very busy with work. Uh-huh. Just played a wedding with Vin Sigelhosen. Oh, yes. How did it go? It went really well. I did not know you could close down a street for a wedding. That is literally the number one thing that I've been saying since I found out that that was happening. Like, it was, it was very cool. They only closed off one small little street. Uh-huh. Of course, the Redditors went all... There was like a whole post about it in the Duluth subreddit of people just being like, and I'm what? like, yeah, it's a street dance, y'all. Dude, Calm I, down. I work for a company that closes down the street several times during the year. Yeah. And yes, I know. <laughs> the Everything was gorgeous. It was so much fun. Uh, congratulations. I don't think they listen, but just in case, congratulations, Jody and April, you, the, the, you're service the whole thing was beautiful and amazing and then i got to play in the middle of superior street so that was also cool as well uh i have not told steve this yet but now if we cannot find a venue for the actual wedding i'm really digging on the idea of closing down a street yeah because <laughs> the reception would be open to anyone anyway yep there you go it's pretty cool it's super cool um and then uh for my little plug uh-huh. For myself. Yeah. Um, if anybody uh, likes to go to Two Harbors for any reason at all. <laughs> if anybody likes to go to Two Harbors on August 18th, which is a Friday, uh-huh. my band will be playing the Moonlight Music and Marketplace in Two Harbors, like on their main, st- well, not their main street, because their main street goes like, it's like 7th. But it's like way down by the lake. It's like 1st. Is it the old main street? Yes. It's by the Moose Lodge. Oh, yeah. Right down there by the Moose Lodge. Oh. So so we'll be playing from 7 to 9, and y'all should come, and it'll be a good time. I'm very excited. It's already on my calendar. D, our, our beautiful realtor. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> she finally invited me on Facebook, and I was like, yes, just, you know I'm going to be there. They literally just made the event, so it's not even like she just remembered to invite you. She just invited everyone. All everyone. Everyone. <laughs> It's not well, like you were a later thought. It was just everybody. Um, and uh, then let's see. What was this last uh, pressing bit of, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Happy freaking birthday, Brittany. Happy birthday, Brittany. Thank Brittany you. is going to be, well, this comes out of Spooky Wednesday. So Brittany's birthday is going to be the next day, that Thursday. So everybody go on the internet and wish Brittany a happy birthday. Thank you. I'm excited. I am just one year closer to 40. I'm I thought going you were going to say one year closer to death. Oh, my God. That would have been so much more fitting. Okay. <laughs> future's me. Scratch that. I'm going to be one year closer to death. <laughs> no, I, uh, I'm i turning 37. So I'm like really, I'm getting up there, yo. One year closer to haunting your ass. Haunting your ass, you mean? Yeah. I said your ass. Y-E-R. Oh. the better way to say it. Oh. (laughs) Your ass. (laughs) Your ass. Aside from awesome birthday times, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm getting really excited for the 18th for several reasons. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I just had Steve yesterday tell me how my high-pitched noises are like really alarming to him he's like I've never had to experience that kind of sound before and I was like I'm sorry I do that all the time he goes yeah well (laughs) also my cat's name is Evie so it's perfect Um, no, uh, we finally finalized the plans the beautiful lovely Kara 
Yeah. From Prophecy Girls is uh is driving on down from Thunder Bay on the 18th. So I already took the 18th off. I got it approved today. And I'm gonna get a half day. We're training in a new person. I don't get to take the day off. Well, you know, I'll I'll be there. <laughs> but you'll be there and I'll meet you later. Yeah, exactly. And uh <laughs> and then and then I get to go see you. It's just gonna be a great day overall. And then it's the weekend. Hosen. I know. It's gonna be so fantastic. It's gonna be a great time overall. <sighs> well you, however, have band practice after this, so we should probably Yeah, uh, I gotta make sure I sound decent for when uh yeah, Cara's here. In. I don't know if Cara's sticking around for the show, but I gotta make sure I sound good. I'm actually not sure either. Well, it's gonna be a long drive back. I mean, if we played it from seven to nine. I'm not upset about it. Yeah. If, if I know. she doesn't stick around. I'm just saying, either way, especially if she's gonna be there. I need to make sure I sound really good. Oh, it's all for you, Cara. It's all for you. Anyway. <laughs> it's all for you. That's not what the words are. I know. It's because of you. No, it's not. I'll stand by you. Okay. So I was doing because of you from Kelly Clarkson, but to oh. the tune of I stand by you. <laughs> and then I changed the words anyway. <laughs> We're batting a thousand today here, everybody. So good. Also, uh, a little heads up. I am currently drinking a margarita that has ice and I am so sorry. I've definitely gotten annoyed by Kayla drinking something with ice before. But, but, instead of my normal glass straws, I'm using a silicone one. So it's one less noise conductor. Not everybody has misophonia like you, though. Some people might, but I like the sound of clinky, clinky ice. Sounds summery and relaxing. Well, let's do it. Mm, mm, mm. All right. For your birthday, I actually did head out of the country, far out of the country, we're going across the ocean to Germany this week. Germany! To discuss Berg Wolfsweg. Okay. So, Berg Wolfsweg, also known as Wolfsweg Castle or Castle of Wolves, <gasps> is located in Wolfsweg, Bavaria, around 80 kilometers northeast of Munich. Also, this is very convenient to be talking about while I, you know, talk up my polka band. Yeah. I, I wear a Bavarian dress while I do that. Winzige Hosen by uh, Wolfsweg. <laughs> All right, so Wolfsweg, Bavaria, 80, mile, uh, 80 kilometers northeast of Munich, and it is every inch the classic castle. The architecture is a blend of Romanesque and Gothic styles. It is situated atop a hill offering stunning panoramic views of the surrounding countryside. Images of the castle will transport you back to a different time, and depending on the lighting, it could look breathtakingly beautiful or extremely imposing and creepy. So, like, or, you know, both, you know, depending on what you're into. Amazing. <laughs> I'm just, now, this is, again, where we need one of those, like, thunder and lightning buttons. Yep, but instead, pick a button. <laughs> that works, too. Why not? Okay, so there is a sitcom that's being filmed. A canned laughter. <laughs> in this or, very spooky castle. <laughs> uh, so the castle dates back to the 13th century. Its location on the hill was strategic. It served as a stronghold to guard the surrounding lands. So its hilltop space gave it a good vantage point all the way around. And as it expanded to improve its use as a fortress, they maintained the beauty and style that it was originally built with. 
So depending on the way you like which pictures you look at, mm-hmm. it can also look kind of bland. But ultimately, every picture I almost every picture I saw looked gorgeous. And that's where it was like, is it creepy? Is it pretty? What are we doing? We don't know. I love German castles. Wait, isn't isn't Cinderella's castle based off a German castle? I have no idea what the basis is behind Cinderella. So I guess I don't know. Well, I think it might be German. Could be. Over the centuries, Berg Wolfsbeg transitioned from a purely defensive structure to a noble residence. It became home to various Bavarian aristocratic families who each seemed to make different changes to suit their styles and, you know, the changing times. Mm -hmm. Despite these transformations, uh, Wolfsbeg retained its medieval charm. Nice. But the beauty and mystique of the castle extends beyond just its architecture and history with noble families. It is, of course... Haunted. Yes. Give me a haunted castle every day. (laughs) So this is a location like that we haven't had in a while where it was extremely difficult to research because most of the articles are in German. Oh. (laughs) I mean, it's regularly listed as one of the most haunted sites in the world. But aside from the little blurbs on those listicles and things uh-huh. where it just gives you like a paragraph of something. Yeah. Most of the things I found were in German. <laughs> and so I went to go do my research and I'm using Google Translate to try to figure <laughs> out what's going on. And let me tell you, German does not always translate to English easy. No, no, they do a lot of the same stuff that sign language does which are the only two languages that i really know anything about format where they they put a lot of like the important words up front yep which is not what english does and then imagine my surprise when i went to go pull up my article and found that half of my research had disappeared oh fun and guess who didn't feel like trying to go through google translate for a second time. <laughs> so I have some information here. I am going to encourage you to converse with me about things and see. You might say, did this happen? And I will go and I might go, yes, I remember that now. Or I might go, actually, I didn't ever find that out. Oh, OK. But just in just in case, because that was it was it was, it was an in-depth thing. It was yeah. a whole thing. Why don't you do your research and put it in the Google Drive? Like I do it through my Google Drive and then I can open it anywhere and it auto saves. Because I'm not that smart, apparently. Okay, well, well, from now on. <laughs> from now on, use the Google Drive. I'm always worried about the space in our Google Drive for some reason, as if I can't just delete things later, but so it's a whole thing. Don't you have your own Google account? Uh, yeah, that is filled. Oh. It's a whole thing. Just, oh. yeah, yeah. Okay, well, you use the left of skeptic. Uh-huh. I give you full permission as your co-host. I can delete things after we finish the episodes. I just need to remember that. Right. Okay, so... This is the information I was able to find. Okay. And still have access to. And still have access to. (laughs) One local legend revolves around a hidden cave discovered on the castle grounds, but not in the castle itself. Oh. It's about, uh, I think it's at 100 yards away from, like, the castle itself, like, into the woods. That's not that far. And, uh... Locals have begun to give this chamber the name The Hole. (laughs) That's what they call it. Mm. Because it's like an exceptionally steep slope down into this really dark hole. So it's very descriptive. Yeah, it's very like, but like they don't explore it a lot because they don't know what the hell is down there. 
And I, we'll, yeah. we'll get to that in a second. According to folklore, workers stumbled upon the secret underground passage leading to a cave during one of the castle's renovations. Curious humans being curious humans, they decided to explore the cave. And as they ventured deeper into the mysterious steps, they made a bone-chilling discovery. Oh, dear. A skull. A human skull? A human skull. Probably from the last idiot who decided to just <laughs> explore a hole. Um, and what happens when you find bones in a deep, mysterious cave? The stories just start flowing. Yep. Story, yep. like myths, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like urban legends, those things just start I flowing. I wonder what he was doing down there. Probably some sort of satanic practices. So in the 1920s, from what I recall, they did send further people down there to like do actual like archaeology, archaeology stuff. Yeah. And there are a lot more bones deeper into the cave. But those bones, the majority of the samples that they took, because apparently this is one of those caves that like branches out into Uh, different areas. A a cave system, one might say. Exactly. Yep. So- the bones that they were able to collect, those were animal bones. This was the only human bone I could find a report of, but they did acknowledge that they did not do a lot of deep exploration into the cave from there. And it doesn't sound like, like currently there has been any effort to do that. And now there are two theories as to why. One is because locals say to just stay away from it because it's haunted. Okay. And the other is because they're like, okay, well, what lives down there? And does it actually serve any significance for us to... To go find. To go f- try to figure it out. Right. Knowing this, this would be a really good place for a serial killer to throw some bodies. We are not endorsing that. No. At all. I would never. <laughs> no, I said that sarcastically. You said that sarcastically. Yeah, Let's no, be clear. I we are not would, endorsing that. I do not endorse murder. <laughs> you still said that sarcastically. <laughs> Guys, I legitimately don't. <laughs> okay, we're moving away from this topic because Brittany can't <laughs> say that without a sarcastic tone. Uh, so one thing that encourages the whole this cave is haunted aspect uh-huh. is that there are strange noises that come from the darkness of the hole. Oh, gross. Why would anyone go in there? When people have gotten near, sometimes they hear just breathing. Oh, my God. Could you imagine being near a deep, dark hole and you just hear? No, no. And it must sound like human breathing because if it was like an animal breathing, they'd be like, oh, well, there's like a bear or something. Sometimes they hear grunts or growling. That could be a bear. And the one thing witnesses have said is that they wouldn't describe it as human, but they wouldn't describe it as any animal noise they've heard. Oh, that's upsetting. I don't like that at all. The the locals will tell you that the sounds are not natural to any creature they have ever heard, and they will tell the story of travelers that got too close and were never seen again. So there might be more bones in there. Yep. It has been this way for, you know, obviously at this point, what, 1,300, so 800 years? Is that mathin? Is that math mathin? Yeah, somewhere around there. So, hundreds of years. Since the night, a man vanished into those same woods. But we'll get to that later. Of course, there are numerous folklore creations amongst European and other cultures to keep children away from wandering too far. Mm -hmm. So, 
a few of the more skeptical sounding sites I found seem to think that the the hole is just a way to keep kids out of the woods near oh, the castle. They just hadn't heard Hansel and Gretel. They haven't heard of Hansel and Gretel apparently, which is I I mean that's like classic German. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this could have been one of those, but either way, is it something you want to risk as a child or an adult? No, no, I don't really see the point in risking that. Since this unsettling find, especially of the skull, paranormal enthusiasts have attributed the castle's hauntings to a tragic event. Upon inspection, it appears the skull is that of a child, and some speculate that the child's restless spirit lingers within the court, seeking solace or perhaps even revenge. Visitors and residents continue to report inexplicable sounds echoing from the cave's depths. I don't know why we ever try and use the word inexplicable. I love inexplicable. I know. We both say it so weird, though. We do. It's also inimitable. I say that one weird, too, but I love that word. Beyond the cave and its creeptastic and sad discoveries, other spectral encounters have occurred in the castle itself as part of its haunted reputation. Okay. Most famously, it has one of our favorites, a lady in white. I knew it was going to be a lady of some sort of color. There are repeated reports of a white shadowy figure believed to be a jilted lover that roams the castle's corridors, forever trapped in a state of sorrow. It is speculated that this is the ghost of Countess Clara von Helfstein, who was married to the lord of the castle, Ulrich von Laber, in the 15th century. The first documented report, and where most of the sensation seems to stem from, is the uh, story from Mrs. Hedvig Pielmeier, who was an administrator in the castle in 1930. This is where one of those translations got weird. From what I can tell by administrator of the castle, I believe they mean somebody who stayed in the building to watch over it and the grounds. Oh, a, a groundskeeper. Yeah, a groundskeeper, essentially. Okay. She lived there with her husband, and one night she saw a white figure very clearly. She started freaking out. She calls her husband over, trying to be like, Ugh. And the <laughs> husband also saw this ghost. So there were two sets of eyes that saw this figure and perceived it to be there. But they went around and tried to tell people, ah, we saw a ghost and nobody believed them. I cannot believe that no one would believe them in this very, very old castle. 30 years later, in 1960, a parapsychologist by the name of Hans Holzer found out about this story. And Holzer was the director of the New York Committee for Investigation of Paranormal Occurrences. And so he was like, I'm going to do what I do. And yeah. I'm going to begin investigating. We've talked about Hans Holzer before. Have we? I didn't remember. When we had Kim on, didn't she talk to the daughter of Hans Holzer? Maybe. It's been a while. Anyway, Hans Holzer. <laughs> Hans Holzer. 1960. Gets a hold of this, is like, I'm going to do what I do and investigate this. Good for you, Hans. And in 1969, he released his findings about Wolfsegg. According to Holzer, it all began with an inheritance dispute. Ulrich von Laubert was hoping that this dispute would work out in his favor. So he decided to uh, make some moves to help things along and enlisted his wife, Clara, to beguile his adversary. Seduce? Yeah. Okay. I like the word beguile. It is It is significantly better. <laughs> um, so, you know, bow, chicken, bow, wow. And it backfired. 
because Clara totally fell in love with this guy. I knew it. I knew that's how it was going to go. So she changed her position and she was like, forget you, Ulrich. I got a new man and was like, let's let's do this. We're going to get the inheritance to work towards this other guy. There were a few different ones, but I couldn't with the translation figure out the name. Mm. There were some sources that I didn't have access to because it cost it was behind a paywall. Mm. So, it, you know, mm. some people may know way more about this than I do. I'm doing what I could get for free. I mean, that's fine. And in however much you can translate into English. <laughs> so when Ulrich found out about his wife's betrayal, he decided have her yeah. killed. So he hired two farm boys to murder her. Uh, the boys got to Clara while she was sitting on the window in her renaissance room of the castle. And apparently one of them choked her while the other one stabbed her repeatedly because they were really going for overkill here. And when she was dead, she was buried by the farm boys somewhere. I was really hoping that she was going to beguile them as well. Did not beguile the two farm boys, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, that's good, I guess. The story on their age. The story continues that Clara's lover, however, bitterly avenged the murder by murdering Ulrich and his sons. And since that time, the white woman has been seen to haunt the walls of the castle. Oh. What, ha- what happened to the lover? It's just said that he went into the woods and did not return. Oh. So this is the official story. There are a couple other versions of the tale that I could find. A uh, second version says that Clara had an affair with the owner of a hammer mill in Heisenhofen, who was Ulrich's Heisenhofen? Heisenhofen, who was Ulrich's arch enemy. Oh. And so when Ulrich caught wind of the affair and then managed to catch the two in the act, mm-hmm. he went into a blind rage and Shit. murdered them both. Oh no. A short time later, Ulrich is said to have died a sudden, inexplicable death. Inexplicable, you say? You keep saying that word. I do not think you know what it means. (laughs) A third version of the story says that greedy relatives of Ulrich hatched a plan. Then this is where they think they ties into the inheritance issue. Mm. So greedy relatives actually framed Clara. And they told Ulrich that... Your wife's having an affair. And he went into a jealous rage. So, like, basically, they were trying to get a hold of his goods. They arranged this compromising situation with a man. Because, you know, back in the day, you weren't supposed to be with somebody of the opposite sex without a chaperone around. Unless you're married or family. Right. And so, they let Ulrich know, oh, hey, you should go over here. You might catch your wife with this man we heard she's been fooling around with. (gasps) And he goes and then freaks out, also goes into a blind rage and kills Clara and the supposed lover. And then afterward, he was murdered by his relatives that now that they got Clara and the lover out of the way, they were like, okay, now we just have to kill this guy and then we'll get all of his inheritance. That is so not cool, guys. Right? That just seems really shitty. Uh, Money is not worth it and the way that Y'all. they were able to spin it was that by murdering Ulrich, it was an act of justice for his killed wife. We heard he killed his wife. We, we just knew that we had to kill him as well. Who it, else would he kill? Exactly. So we don't know which exact version of this is the right one. The only thing is certain is that Clara was killed. There was some other dude that wasn't Ulrich involved, and then Ulrich also ended up dead. Since that time, the apparitions have been perceived again and again by many people. 
Incidentally, under the fortifications of the castle, there are also additional caves that serve as water reservoirs. Okay. And noises from those caves have also been reported. Well, they're probably all part of the same cave system. And there was nothing I could find that definitely said that, but that was my thought. You know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. tons of cave systems. That's got to be a thing, right? So lots of tons of noises. Lots of tons. Lots of tons of noises. Additionally, sightings of a ghostly black knight who they say faithfully guards the castle's secrets even after death have been reported. Some things seem to imply that this knight might be Ulrich and that Ulrich might have been a knight. Oh, okay. Um, And that noise in the hole that we (laughs) talked about before. Yeah. The one I described earlier. Uh Uh-huh. Well, some have speculated that those noises are the sounds from Clara's lover who disappeared into the woods after avenging her death and killing Ulrich. And now he's breathing and grunting. Yeah. Mm. And maybe it's a rendezvous with the white, with the lady <laughs> in white. I don't know. Breathing and grunting. Ooh. You do you, ghosty booze. <laughs> uh, these haunting tales and reports uh, are combined with tales of cold spots, unexplained sounds within the castle, and objects mysteriously moving on their own. So these have all solidified the castle's reputation as a paranormal hotspot. If you feel like taking a German holiday to check this place out for yourself, the website says that the castle is normally open to the public from May 1st through October 3rd, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturdays, Sundays, and Bavarian public holidays. Oh. Please be aware that Wolfsburg Castle has been built uh, on a high stone outcropping and can only be entered after negotiating numerous steps and sharp inclines on foot. So uh, people with restrictions or orthopedic issues, things like that, will most likely not be able to enter the castle. And currently there are no special facilities for accessibility to anybody. So it's not an accessible thing. It's nice that you noted that, though. I saw it on the website and they put it right on that first page. That is so, so it's nice, nice that they did that, too. Yeah, yep. you don't get all excited and you're like, oh, just kidding. You can't. And so that is... Wolfsvig von Heisen Klimbenin. You're just making German noise now. <laughs> Want to make sure I pronounce it right. So that is Berg Wolfsvig in Bavaria in Germany. Berg Wolfsvig. Berg Wolfsvig. I looked up so many different pronunciations. It's just hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> on a skeptic scale of pair to normal, pair being five. Normal being one. Uh-huh. What are you going to give Wolfsvig? Um, you know, I'm going to say that creepy asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Episode title. It gets a four. <laughs> Episode title. Creepy asshole. Creepy asshole. Creepy A asterisk asterisk hole. Oh, right. Because a lot of other things. Because otherwise, uh, like random streaming services will bleep out. Like it'll edit ass for us, which is weird. Because, like, even on the radio, you can say ass. You just can't say asshole. I don't know. I wasn't allowed to say goddamn, which I think is weird. That is weird. But you could say damn. You just can't say goddamn. Yeah, I think so. Yep. All right. Oh, so rating. Anyway. Four. Four? For the whole and the castle? The whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, mostly it's for the whole, but it's the castle's included because it's only, like, 100 meters from it. Yep. Yards. 100 yards from it. Uh, Four sounds reasonable, and I'm going to do the exact same thing because also... I'm I'm usually just going to assume 
any castle in a European country is haunted. <laughs> that might be, you know, like a stereotype that they don't want, but that's what I'm going with. No, don't they don't they advertise it as haunted? I mean, this one they do, but I'm like I said, I'm just saying oh, every well, castle in a European country is haunted. You know, that's just good marketing. Right? That's what I'm saying. All right. Well, I have a story for you. Good, cuz that's what we're here for. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, and I, so I kind of last minute remembered that this was my birthday episode. Oh. So I wanted to do something a little bit different. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we cover a variety of topics on this show. And I think that it's relatively obvious that I like history. No way. I know my sister even made a comment about it one single time and I've not. Let it go. I've not let it go. And you um, never will. I think it's because I just get nervous that I talk about the history so much. So I'm like, yeah, I know. But it's just, it's just me projecting. I'm so sorry, Andrea. Um, but I like it. And you know what? I'm going to own it. Because it's my podcast and it's my birthday. And I'll give history if I want to. <laughs> so tonight, I'm going to tell you about the history of the Ouija board. Yes. Oh, I should have brought my Ouija board. I could have cuddled with it during this story. Aww. Or my little plushy planchet. Why didn't I do that? Or even your planchet earrings that I got you last week. I could have week. worn my pink planchet earrings while I cuddled with my pink planchet stuffy. Why didn't I do that? I don't know. Well, I didn't tell you what the topic was. That's true. All right. So there's that. I'll just have to cuddle with it later. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep thinking about this all night long. Now, we both obviously know what a Ouija or a talking board is. Also, I'm going to go back and forth between Ouija and Ouija okay. because there actually is no definite answer. Oh. It's really depending on how you want to say it. Got it. So, um, we know what it is. I'm also guessing that most of our audience does that well, but if you are new to the whole paranormal thing... Per the Oxford Dictionary, a Ouija board is, quote, a board printed with letters, numbers, and other signs to which a planchette or moving indicator points supposedly to an answer to a question from people at a seance, unquote. Hell yeah. It's a good time. Yeah. So it has letters, A to Z, numbers 0 to 9, the words yes, no, and often hello and goodbye. And to use, participants will put their hands on the planchette on their little fingertips, which is usually a small heart-shaped piece of wood or plastic, and allegedly spirits will use their energy to spell out words, names, dates, etc. Question. Kayla. Yeah. Do you know when the talking board was created? I'm going to guess. I do not know. I'm going to guess 1700s. No. Oh, damn. But you also have to wait a while to find the answer. Well, what the and fuck, Brittany? <laughs> I'm going to tell you, this is the history of the Ouija board. But you, you just asked ask the question right before you're going to give me the answer. Now no, I got to sit here and wait. It doesn't flow well. Now I'm going to sit here and wait. All right. Yeah, now you have to pay attention. Yeah, I trick you into paying attention to me. Uh, anyway, so when you look at the history of the Ouija board, it's important to look at the context in which it came to be. Mainly the rise of spiritualism in America. Spiritualism is essentially the belief that one can communicate with the spirits of the dead. And throughout time, there have been many different ways in which people have managed to, quote unquote, accomplish this. 
But with what folks refer to as the spiritualism movement, the practices of communicating with the deceased became a little bit more mainstream. Okay. The first wave of spiritualism started in Europe, eventually moving to the U.S. in the mid-1800s, and popularized by folks like the Fox Sisters, who used wrappings to speak to the dead. And I'm definitely going to cover the Fox Sisters someday because it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. But not in this. Okay. Anyway, so with the end of the Civil War in 1865, folks who had lost family and friends in the battles began to seek out ways to communicate with them. It was their sort of like closure because most of the soldiers' bodies were not able to be returned home. And the popularity of seances and the use of mediums hit an all-time high in the U.S. But mediums are hard to come by. Oh, yeah. And although there were a lot of folks who claimed to be mediums who could be invited to lead these seances, the need for more self-driving instruments of communication was called for. And thus, the planchette was born. According to an article in the April 19th, 1886 edition of the Democratic Northwest out of Napoleon, Ohio, the, quote, planchette, the strange little heart-shaped board with a pencil at its point, which used to walk over yards of paper and write no end of sense and nonsense if the fingertips of two persons touched the upper surface of the board, unquote. So basically, the first form of this spiritual communication that used a planchette was that two or more people would place their fingers on basically a combination of the talking board planchette and using a sort of like automatic writing. Yeah, so like when people do like spirit writing. Exactly, but they used the planchette as the method. Exactly. Uh, But as the article mentioned, the sense and nonsense, (laughs) it wasn't the most accurate way of getting spirit messages across. Like, automatic writing, I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried to read your doctor's handwriting. It sucks. (laughs) Ghosts, also, not good penmanship. (laughs) When, When, you know. A few of my service advisors, terrible penmanship. So, instead, the Democratic Northwest reported a new way of speaking to the dead was created, and this is the talking board. And the setup for the talking board itself is uh, very similar to the board that we have now. Please see figure one. (laughs) I brought visuals. Oh, yeah. It just, it looks like, I mean, it looks like uh, just less curvy and less intricate. But the letters are all there. Seemingly typed in what I'm going to guess is close to Times New Roman. And instead of saying good, instead of saying like hello and goodbye, it says good eve, good night. But the rest of it seems pretty damn similar. It does. Except for the method at which figuring out what the spirits are saying is a little bit different. So as Kayla said, it has A to Z, zero to nine, yes, no, good eve and good night. But instead of the planchette, they had a little table. See figure number two. I see. It's uh, 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 two people sitting knee to knee around a tiny little table with what looks to be another smaller table on top of it. Uh Uh-huh. So you would sit across from each other, place the talking board on their knees, and then put the little table on top of the talking table and hold the corners of the little table with their thumbs and forefingers. You would then ask your questions, and when the table moves, whichever letter the foot of the table lands on, that's part of the message. Okay, okay. However, you can probably see where this could possibly go awry. 
it could easily be misconstrued. Well, if two feet of the table are on two different letters at the same time. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you have all four, like, you're like, okay, so it said C-S-F-U. What the <laughs> hell do I do with that? Um, so what you would do is if more than one leg was on more than one message, you apparently just had to ask the board to clarify what letter it actually wanted, and then it would, like, scooch over all of the other legs and only remain on the one. But that seems like it's our, you're already doing it like one letter at a time. Yeah, that's already a lot. Well, word of this new phenomenon was reportedly taking over the spiritualist camps in Ohio. Okay. Uh-huh. Apparently there were multiple spiritualist camps in Ohio. So what you're saying is they couldn't make it on their own? Hey there. I know it's hard to feel like I don't care at all. That's why I call upon you with my talking board. The ghost of Hawthorne Heights is here to hear us all. <laughs> so news of this this new little situation uh, spread like wildfire. And one man named Charles Kennard of Baltimore, Maryland, was like, I want to get in on that action. Bet. So, yeah. So Charles wasn't involved in the spiritualism movement at all. He was just a He just wanted man. to capitalize on it. Yeah, he was just a <laughs> businessman. And he saw an opportunity to take this instrument of spiritual communication and make some big money off of it. So he partnered with his local coffin maker slash undertaker. Of uh, course. E.C. Reich to create the now famous board, which is very similar to the talking board that I just described. But instead of the little table, Charles brought back the use of the planchette, which would simply point to the correct letter, number, or message. So Charles Kennard created the concept and E.C. Reich created the board. But after going to several different people to try and find funding to make their prototype an actual product, they couldn't find any interested investors. No. Until. Okay. Charles met an attorney named Elijah Bond. And together they formed the Kennard Novelty Company in 1890. Bond. Elijah Pond. <laughs> they also found themselves a couple of investors. Once Elijah was in, they're like, oh, an attorney? That seems a little bit more reputable than a guy in his coffin maker. <laughs> so they found themselves a couple of investors, and then it was time to patent their creation. But first, it needed a name. Please tell me they used the board to figure out the name, and that's why it's such a weird fucking word. Well, it just so happens that Elijah Bond had a sister-in-law named Helen Peters, who was a medium. So, naturally, when it came time to come up with a name, she suggested that they ask the board. Yeah! Which ended up spelling out O-U-I-J-A, Ouija. I have always thought that that's such a fucking weird name. And I'm like, I don't even know how they came up with it. Was there like a person, was there like a Mr. Ouija out there that was like, yeah, I'm going to name this after myself. But no, okay, this makes me happy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And do you know what Ouija means? I do not. All right, so the board claimed that Ouija is an ancient Egyptian phrase, which means good luck. Which could be good or maybe ominous. I'm not really <laughs> sure, like, mm. good luck. Good mm. luck. So it's like, good luck, or... Mm, good good luck. Though popular belief is that it is actually a combination of the French and German words for yes, so we oui and ya. Yeah. Oh, okay. Ouija. Helen actually, okay, so 
Side note, apparently they were sitting there, they were doing the seance on their brand new created board that they didn't have a name for. And allegedly, Helen used to wear a locket that featured a picture of a woman. Um, She was a prominent author and activist named Ouida at the time. And so she wore this picture of Ouida, which is just one letter away from Ouija. Yeah. So there is a little bit of possibility that maybe they were just like, oh, what is it? Uh, And then they're like, "Uh, Ouija. Yeah, then, okay. And I then guess they, it's a jaw. Okay. They realized they were going to be like, it was going to be Weta, and they're like, no, we can't do that. We, we can't do then that. One That's of them just, too obvious. One of them just veers it off towards the J. Exactly. Exactly. So now the Ouija board has a name, but to get the patent, they needed to prove that it actually worked. Of course. Which Helen was, in all of her great mediumship, able to do because apparently what the patent officer requested of them is for the board to tell them his name, which apparently was unknown to Helen Charles or Elijah. Okay. Uh, But she did it. Whatever his name was, the board apparently spelled it out, and the official patent for the Ouija board was granted on February 10th, 1891. Oh, wow. It's way newer than I thought it was. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, yeah, and so the, the talking board... Gained popularity in 1868 is the answer to that question. I didn't even point it out. I'm so sorry. I made you wait and I said it and then I wasn't like, but yeah, the Ouija board itself came out in 1891. Okay. So after Charles Kennard and Elijah Bond brought in a man named William Fold, F-U-L-D, Fold. Uh, He was a varnisher and together they began producing the Ouija board. They were actually pretty much an instant hit with folks hoping to connect with the spirits of the beyond. And the Ouija, the wonderful talking board game, became a cultural staple when it hit shelves for only $1.50 shortly after. Oh, wow. Which in today's money... Today's money... Would be $50.29. Wow. Seems kind of expansive. Yeah. Considering I got mine at a (laughs) Comic-Con used, so... Uh, and soon, additional factories were built to keep up with the demand because people were like, "I'm going to buy that for." I got to figure ha- out where half, un- half a hundred dollars. I got to figure out where Uncle Jeff left that watch. Oh my God! It's definitely worth at least the fifty twenty nine. <laughs> so not too long after that, both Charles and Elijah were kicked out of the business. And honestly, I'm not really sure why. Okay. One source said that William bought the rights to the game in 1891, like William the Varnisher. Yeah. Um, but that was the year that it was patented. And I, I don't know why they would sell it when it was just becoming super popular and money-making. But another source claimed that Charles and Elijah were, quote, unceremoniously booted out of the business. I mean, they they don't have, depending on, like, what the investments are and, like, controlling amounts, maybe they were just like, we don't need you anymore. Yeah, but I don't know why the varnisher got the business. I don't know. I don't know. More valuable of a, like, person to the business? Maybe. Maybe. Either way, William Fold did eventually take over the business and production of the Ouija boards. Until William's death in 1927, when he fell off the roof of his newest Ouija board factory. Oh, that's unfortunate. Curiously, one that he had claimed the board told him to build. 
What? My brain is like the Ouija. My my brain is like the Ouija board. Like whatever like spirit is was talking at that point was like, I heard what you did to your business partners, man, and that's not cool. You know, that is exactly the vibe that I got. Yep. It seems like maybe William was not a good guy and he got pushed off a building <laughs> by a ghost. Absolutely. Look, you know, we can theorize a lot. So I'm going to say the word allegedly here. We allegedly. can theorize a lot. We do theorize, theorize a lot. Theorize. <laughs> theorize. Oh, no, I can't say it either. Uh Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> through the early 1900s, the board continued to gain popularity. Per Nerdist.com, quote, it was a direct path to ancestors, but also a bit of intriguing and escapist Friday night fun amid a tumultuous world. People would gather with friends or family and experience the rush of asking questions as the then wooden planchet would jump around to provide the otherworldly answers unquote and soon folks were beginning to use it for i don't know practical reasons (laughs) what day should i get my hair done (laughs) well so there's this woman named earl curran and she was described as a quote saint louis housewife And she claimed to have used her Ouija board to make contact with a 17th century author whom she named uh, Patience Worth, or allegedly this author's name was Patience Worth. And Pearl then began to use the Ouija board in order to write and publish Patience Worth's own writing, many of which were met with critical acclaim. Okay, okay, okay. A true ghost writer. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Personally, my theory on Pearl Curran is that she was a talented author in and of herself, but she was branded as a St. Louis housewife. Yeah. And she's like, oh, let me think of a way that people won't just be like, "Mm, Mm. you wrote a story. Housewife? Okay. How Mm cute. How cute with her little, did you do that like between doing the dishes and the laundry? Oh my gosh, I totally forgot to show this to you. This is the Ouija board patent. Very cool. This one looks a lot closer to what I have. Yes, yes. Much better than the tiny, weird little table thing. <laughs> um, so, despite the devastating economic consequences of the Great Depression, the board continued to grow in popularity, eventually becoming mainstream enough to be featured on television and in movies, such as its appearance in the 1951 episode of I Love Lucy, The Seance. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I have the entire I Love Lucy show. We can watch it together. <laughs> as long as we also watch the candy shop one where they she had stuff sell the candy in her mouth because of the conveyor belt and it was going too fast. Next <laughs> just, week. Just because. That's what I want for my birthday. Let's watch these two episodes of I Love Lucy okay. together. Wow, you're so hard to please. I know. I'm really, yeah, I know, right? Give me a good cup of coffee and some I Love Lucy, and I'm a happy gal. Um, and then came The Exorcist. In 1973, supposedly based upon a true story horror flick about a girl who became possessed by a demon after playing with a Ouija board. Classic. And it scared the hell out of people. Classic. 
So it's no surprise that there were several uh, Christian denominations who had an issue with the Ouija board from the beginning, especially the uh, the Catholic Church. She's dabbling in dark-sided stuff. <laughs> who explicitly forbids any practice of divination and, quote, it's a form of divination, dot, dot, dot. The Ouija board is far from harmless, unquote. So between the church. It's 9 o'clock on a Saturday. Do you know what your kids are doing? <laughs> Playing with Ouija boards and calling upon the devil. <laughs> so between the church and the massive popularity of the exorcist and also the general satanic panic vibe of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, it's not surprising that there's a big portion of the population that believes that the Ouija board is evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you will have to tune in next week to find out more about their so-called proof. Boom. Okay. Mic drop. I, I feel like threw my papers into the air. I feel like everybody's going to know my rating of a Ouija board, but I'm not going to rate it until next week. I think I that's legit. Your, I think that's legit. When I hear what you've got to say. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I will say that I adore Ouija boards. I know. And the amount of times that I've wanted people to do it with me. And everybody is like, no, I don't fuck with that. I've never done one. And I know so many people, people that do not believe that they're like demonic, but they don't believe that they're good. Like they think it's too much of a risk for what you might bring. They're not saying that it's not a way to communicate, but they are saying that there's no way to know who you're communicating with. That is literally my stance, is that I don't think it's demonic in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I just think that it is, uh, it's kind of like a spammer. <laughs> like, am I you actually know, talking to Verizon or is this somebody trying to get my credit card number? Exactly. Like, <laughs> are you really, are you really calling about my car's extended warranty? They're never calling about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> We're trying to read you about your car's extended warranty. Uh, no, those people are, do, if, everybody out there, if you ever get a call, or if you hear that your grandma, your mom, your uh, great uncle, uh, anybody, if you hear anybody got a call and they're like, oh yeah, and it sounded like a good deal, it's not. Mm. I'm speaking as somebody who works with cars, don't do it. That is less trustworthy than communicating using a Ouija board. Also, also, because this happened to Steve's grandpa, you are never going to pay for something legitimate with gift cards. Ever. 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 It's That's even happen. less. Mm-hmm. That in itself is less trustworthy than, than a Ouija board. Than a Ouija board or a suspicious extended warranty <laughs> over the phone. So, like, it's all bad. It's all bad. I am a Ouija board advocate. You are a Ouija board skeptic, and I cannot wait. I wouldn't I'm say I'm skeptic. a skeptic. Like, but I'm a I'm nervous. A, I'm a nervous a, Nelly. I know. I'm a Ouija board side eye. Ouija board side eye. I give it side eye. I'm like, mm, mm. I don't know. So, uh, are you really my grandma, or are you a demon? I am going to wait to rate, but I'm excited to hear about it and see and hear about other people's experiences because I always laugh at my friends who won't do it with me and they side-eye me when I so willingly want to do it. So. I just hate it. I've got a two-parter listener story. 
Guns don't kill people. People kill people. <laughs> Ouija boards. Guns don't kill people. Ouija boards kill people. No, <laughs> no, no. no. My, excuse me. My Ouija board is approved for ages eight and up. <laughs> you have to be 18 to vote. But eight to summon the devil. I didn't even talk <laughs> about how Hasbro now owns it. Yep, oh, Hasbro, my gosh. Hasbro owns it. That's mine. It was mine, if I recall correctly, from the box is from the. Late sixties, early seventies, mm-hmm. and it's a Hasbro creation. Yep, little little, little uh, plastic planchette that was high. It's a, that's a whole story. I haven't even seen yours. Did in I person. tell the story of my Ouija board? Yes, but it was in way early episodes. Okay, maybe I'll retell the story next, next week. week. Okay, okay, bring I'll, it with you. I will. And your planchette plushie. And, and my pronoun, my pronoun planchet, pronoun planchet earrings. Awesome. <laughs> yep, that'll be the plan. It's gonna be a whole vibe next week. Call a vibe. Call a verb. All right. So, I have a two-parter listener story. Awesome. It's pretty exciting. Uh, from Christy, who wrote into us again. Oh, dude. Okay, I just wanted to let you know I got your Facebook messages, and I left them unread. Because I I leave them unread until until I'm emotionally ready to respond, <laughs> but I saw them and I got so happy. I just haven't haven't responded yet. Guaranteed, Christy understands. I also I opened hers. I just haven't had. I was waiting until I opened, saw that it was related to these stories, and I wanted oh. to wait until after I had told me, told you tell about me. it exactly. Tell me, tell me. Okay, so. Christy says, holy shit, Carrie and I saw a fucking UFO. <gasps> what? It's a bit of a two-parter, so we'll, we'll go through it. Because okay. there's a okay. whirlwind of emotions happening in these stories. Oh, geez. Here we go. Sorry. And then goes, sorry. Hi, ladies. Hope all is well. <laughs> uh, so this was sent on August 1st, and it said, this happened last night. The amazing woman who owns the campground we live in is spending the summer in Alaska, and I'm taking care of the joint for her while she's gone. As reference, we're in Arizona, about 30 miles north of the border of Mexico. Her home is on the property and is a cool 70s-era geodesic dome. Carrie, my wife, is having surgery today and couldn't be around the dogs last night, so she spent the night in the dome. She's actually having surgery as I write this, sitting in the waiting room. She had advanced ovarian cancer and has been going through chemo and such, and it's just time to take out the problematic bits. She's been doing really well so far and will be fine after this as well. Good. The reason for saying all of that part, I'll get back to. I got her all set up in the dome with everything she needed, and we were outside before I went back to our camper and the dogs. She pointed up to the sky a little above the horizon and told me to look. I look up, and there were about eight lights all moving together like they were running lights on the edge of a giant craft of some sort. It was weirdly moving down towards the ground quite slowly. It was a full moon, and the lights weren't terribly bright, so I'm not sure what would have even shown up if I had would have taken a video. The lights were visible just above the bank of clouds as well, so it was only visible for a few minutes, at least at the time we saw it. We didn't see any sort of craft or anything other than the lights, but it easily could have been hidden by the clouds. It couldn't have been too far away because there were mountains between us and where the lights were. Mm. Mm-hmm. Of course, my first reaction was, holy shit, that's a fucking UFO. And Carrie gave me a look like, seriously? Kayla, you know the look. Yes, I do. 
I can picture it in my head. I have been given that look many times. My response to that was, what the fuck else would it be? I got no answer but that one. I I love your energy. I'm just going to say this right off the bat. I love the, what the fuck else would it be? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now back to why I told you about the surgery and cancer and such. I don't know if the two of you know about the whole CE5 thing, but I'll half-ass explain. There is a documentary on Prime called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, if you want to learn more. Basically, their theory is that aliens communicate at least in part through thought, emotion, and on a very much like an astral plane. Because of this, they claim that they can call to them and that they respond and visit them. There are also claims from people who have been in contact with extraterrestrial beings that they have healed them of various ailments. Mm. I also don't think that aliens are necessarily evil or bad like Hollywood has tried to make everyone think. If they were, they could have done whatever they wanted to us for decades at the very least. That said, I also believe there are more than one kind of alien and who's to say they're all kind. Right. I choose to believe that what we saw last night on the eve of our surgery as a good sign and that all will be well. Thanks for the healing vibes, extraterrestrial dudes. Keep being awesome, queens. Love you, Christy. Okay, first of all, I'm just going to say that when you said that there were eight lights moving together, is it weird that I didn't immediately think of it as, like after you described it, I thought of like the classic 90s like saucer with the lights going around the edges, but initially I thought of a flying V. Yep, yep. I, I, I kind of, th- like I, I, I know what you're saying. Mighty Ducks. Mighty Y'all, Ducks. Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks. Make the flying V. <laughs> so uh, the next day we did get a second email that says, possibly debunked my UFO. Oh, no. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> so Hilarious. we've got a couple of images that you can pull up in the email to okay. see them if you want. But she just basically said, I'm attaching a couple of photos. The one without the arrow is where we saw the lights. The eight or so lights spanned about three-fourths of the frame, and it's taken from exactly where we were standing when I saw them, except, of course, it was dark at the time. The mountains aren't visible from this vantage point, so I was wrong on that. It was dark, and it isn't somewhere I would ever look up at the sky. It's just outside of the dome and is a spot where you would be going from one place to another and not out in the open. Mm, mm-hmm. The photo with the arrow is basically the same chunk of sky a tad to the north of it, but it would be like the next frame over, so right next to it. Where the arrow is pointing is a peak where there is an observatory. (sighs) Now, minus a few months last summer, we have lived here for a year and a half, and I've never seen those lights. The observatory has been there for many years. But they were moving. Hashtag fun fact, the owner of the property's father is the one that decided which peak to put that observatory on. For the sake of full disclosure and the fact that I was wrong about my perspective in the dark, I thought I would send any additional info. We love that you were like, I'm not just going to keep this. You were good. You did further. I, I further al- try. I, we always say that we love it when ghost hunters try to debunk their own like experiences. Yeah. I love this for that exact same reason. But I love the energy in, in which <laughs> you did the first one too. It is possible that the lights were coming from the observatory somehow and that they were just above the bank of clouds, I suppose. They could have been bouncing off the clouds. I don't know that this is an explanation. I still think it was something otherworldly. But for the sake of clarity, clarity, I wanted to send this info. Love you too, Christy. Love you, Christy. Love you too. Love you too. That is 
my goodness. That is the, yeah, I, I understand what you meant by a, like, whirlwind of emotion. Yep. It was like, oh, here we are. Oh, oh, wait, what? Oh, oh, okay, so that could be, like. <laughs> well, did, did I just found that my... they were moving? Uh, hold on, let me look. I feel like she said that the lights were moving, and I think she's debunking it too fast. All moving together, like they were running lights on the edge of a giant craft of some sort. Oh, okay. So all moving, like maybe in a, a systematic way, not like necessarily in an up and down, exactly. left and right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, you know, but still, I, I mean, if you've lived there for over a year, I would find it, it weird. Even if you say you don't look that way regularly, I would still find it weird that you haven't seen them at all before. I agree. I agree, and I love. The idea of those dome houses. I've we, YouTube weirdly keeps sending me videos of the dome houses in Arizona. I don't know why. It's amazing, though. Maybe so that I would understand this story better. There you go. That's the thought process. And I did get, again, another message from Christy letting us know that Carrie's surgery went well, which was what I really wanted to know. Right. So I hope Carrie is doing Excellent, and I hope Christy and Carrie, I hope you are both doing excellent because you're both beautiful human beings, and thank you so much for sharing your story. And sending all the healing thoughts because as someone who just had a partner who just had stomach surgery themselves, like, it's it sucks because you use your core muscles for literally everything. Yep. Yep. Well. <laughs> if you have a... I have one story for next week, too. So we do have... An, we'll have another listener story oh, next But we week. need one for the week after well, the week we after do, that. We do need more for the week after and the week after that and the week after that. So if you have a listener story you would like to submit, a paranormal experience, a UFO experience... Um, a, a humorous experience. Uh, uh, you know, you saw Jesus on a tortilla. Whatever works for you. Uh, can you can think of the Jesus tortilla situation. If you could... S- if you would like to, you can send it to us by email, leftofskeptic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, www.leftofskeptic.com, and click the Listener Stories tab at the top of the page. You can also click the link tree in our bio. You can choose to remain anonymous or include your information, whatever you would prefer. We just ask that you please include your pronouns. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Left of Skeptic, and Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. All right. Well, I got to go to band practice soon. I know. You got to get ready for that August 18th show that I'm so excited about. I want to leave y'all with a bit of relevant end of summer information. Okay. If if you place a tuba on a picnic table Uh at your campsite, (laughs) you are almost guaranteed that all campsites around you are going to stay empty. Happy it's spooky. like it's like making sure a different kind of pest isn't my <laughs> Happy Spooky Wednesday, everybody. We want to thank you. We love you and appreciate you. We do. It's true. <laughs> okay. okay. Bye. 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 Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc, and our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye!